This is a biblical church. We hold the Bible to be the word of God. The Bible begins with a word of truth. In the beginning, God. Now, the problem is, if you get that wrong, you get everything else in life wrong. The Ten Commandments begin with the truth. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. If you get that truth wrong, you'll miss the other nine. You will get them wrong. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. If you get that truth wrong, you get eternity wrong. Jesus said in his last words, prayers to uh, one of the last prayers he had to the Father, he prayed for us, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. If you get that wrong, you get the knowledge of life wrong. I don't need to tell you that our culture is in trouble. We have taken God out of our schools and out of our lives. We have taken the Ten Commandments out of our courtrooms. We have reduced Jesus to be a nice guy with some nice thoughts. Maybe a teacher. And we have dismantled God's word that speaks anything into the reality of our lives. We as a culture and as a church across the world are suffering from a disease called truth decay. Truth is disappearing everywhere. So we're in trouble. We are in trouble. We're in the last four books of the Bible. We've gone through the, the Old Testament, 39 of the Old Testament, and in about 23 of the New, we have about four left. And uh, we're, we come, and, and you might be glad, this is the shortest book of the Bible, so you just might get to the restaurant ahead of those other folks. Don't hold your breath. But it is the shortest book of the Bible, and it has one warning, one warning from the last disciple that was with Jesus. Just one warning, and here's the warning. Do not let truth be taken from you. 
but it has. And so maybe today, more than any of the books of the Bible, this is written to us and to our culture. I think we need to pray. Let's do that. Gracious Heavenly Father, the reality of the truth is so fleeting. And our culture and our churches and many of us are in trouble. So open our eyes to your truth. Help us to understand what John was trying to tell the church that was so important about the truth. And if there would be anything that would hinder your Holy Spirit taking the words that are on these pages and writing them on our hearts, I pray you would remove it. For we've come to see Jesus and to be changed into his likeness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Truth these days, well, the word is subjective. It's skewed. It's biased. Why? Because the truth, we believe, comes from us and no place else. It originally was to come from God, but it comes from us. And perhaps you've heard the fable of uh, the, the seven or eight blind men that came, come across the elephant. There's a sculpture of it here. Now, they're blind, and they're, they're trying to define what it is that, that they have come upon. And so the first person who's blind grabs the tail and says, oh, I, this is a large string. That's what this is. And another person says, no, no, as he feels the, the, the leg of the elephant, this is a trunk of a tree. It's solid. It, it's a trunk. And another one feels the side of the elephant and says, no, it's a wall. I, I can't get around it. Another feels the ear and says, no, it's a, it's a giant fan. And, and, and what this, this fable tells us it tells us that, um, that in, our, in our world, we're, we're going to define things as we experience it, and, and we call that pluralism. And, and so our reality is whatever we discover it to be. Now, there's only, a, and that we need to be tolerant of what other people's experience is. Now, there's two problems with this fable. The first is, there is an elephant, right? The reality is, it is an elephant. No matter what anybody else believes it to be by their experience, the reality is there is a truth, and the truth is there is an elephant. An, an elephant, they all have pieces of the truth, and they call it the truth, but it is an elephant. The second reality is they are all blind. They cannot see reality. They only go by what they experience. And people say, well, you can't fault them because that's their experience. No, you can fault them because they have a limited experience. And what they believe to be true is not really true. And in our culture, 
we have three ways of defining reality. Three ways of saying what is true. The first way we do it is through a thing we call cultural relativism. And it's descriptive of what we see. For instance, uh, an example was used, suppose you, you go to this island and it's, it's, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere and you hide in the bushes and you watch the people of the island and you see that they're cannibals. So it's good you're in the bushes. And the reality of that culture is that cannibalism is true. Cannibalism is okay. And so that cultural relativism, you're saying what is okay from what you see, what you experience. Now, the second uh, form of uh, relativism is called societal relativism. And it is prescriptive. It's where society tells you what is now true. It may have not been true before, but it is now true. And our culture continues to retell us what truth is. A couple of minor, I mean, examples is when I grew up, the definition of a family was a father, a mother, and a Child, thank you. I got lost on that one. Child, just to see if you were awake. Now our culture says family is a lot of different things. When I grew up, taking the life of an unborn is now our culture says it's okay. The definition of marriage a man and a woman. Our culture says, no, we're now prescribing what truth is. We're telling you what truth is. And so we sit and we wait to the next administration or the next thought gets in power and then we are told what truth is. That's societal relativism. Then there's a third relativism that has become really uh, more than I've ever seen it before. And we're going to call that um, an inscriptive relativism or personal relativism. What is true for me is true for, it may not be true for you, but it better be true for you. And... It comes from inside of us, and we're saying, for instance, I dislike people who dislike Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> Think they should be wiped off the face of the earth. I'm beginning to dislike people who have hair. And I think people who have hair ought to be wiped off the face of the earth or punched in the nose for having hair. Now, of course, those are silly examples. But we've seen in the last year 
people defining their own truth and demanding that my truth is your truth or else you have no right to be here. That's a trinity of truths that we all live under. I told two people yesterday, don't come to church, it's gonna be depressing. Well, we haven't gotten to that part yet. So, hang in there. So, we define truth then in our culture of today. Truth is what we experience, what we see. Truth is what I'm told it is. Truth is what I feel it is and should be for you. Now, if you put those, that trinity up, what did we, what's the trinity of truth that we have? In the beginning, God. He created. It is his. We are his. He gets to make the rules because he is truth. And he comes to us in Jesus Christ so that we could better understand the truth. And then we're given the Holy Spirit, who is God's truth in us. And then he throws in another one, the word of God is truth. So we have the trilogy here, and we have what God says over here, and they are at opposites with each other. The battle of the two trinities. Now here's for me the depressing part. George Barna, who had the, I had the opportunity to meet in the 1980s, he researches Christianity, religion. He, he, he has a, a, a thumb on the pulse of what's happening in the church. He is really good at it, been at it a long time. In 2020, they came out with a study. And here's what they said. There is a seismic shift in how Americans and the American church sees truth and how they define the intent of God. He says this, now we see that Americans have rejected the idea that God is truth and that the truth principles he has given for our good are reliable and relevant. We have rejected that. As a nation, we are becoming more increasingly self-reliant. I think that's one of our slides. We trust ourselves or our discoveries rather than the truth principles God provides. And so keep going, Stu. I think it's a couple we went through those. Um, so it starts as a nation. Anyway, um, here, here's, what, here's what his findings were. Here was the surprise. Of the evangelical, now I know that you have to pull that a little bit from the political, but as the conservative Bible-believing churches, those that would hold very strictly to the Word of God, which is about maybe a quarter of churches, of those that are the most conservative, believe God, believe God's Word, four out of ten believe in absolute moral truth. I mean, 60% of our most conservative Christians don't believe in, absolute, in God's absolute truths. That there's, it's truth is 
relative. And so denominational leaders of conservative, I mean, they're like, how can, how can we have gotten this way? And what are the implications? And they say it's staggering for the next generation. Here's what they says. Like every generation before them, the next generation is seeking guidance for how to live, how to understand truth and morality. Next slide. They look to the older generation, to parents, to mentors, to professors, but even these groups are rejecting absolute moral truth rooted in God. They reject the absolute truth rooted in God. So they say this. Increasingly, they find themselves in a culture that from top to bottom rejects God's truth and says to them, you are free to determine your own morality. Look to yourselves, to science, to whatever you can find for guidance on how to live your lives. That's, that's what we're telling the next generation. That's why I'm so glad for this church. I'm so glad for next week in our vacation Bible school. Well, we're going to put our lives next to kids and we're going to tell them and help them to understand the biblical truth that there is a God who speaks into our lives, a God who sends his son Jesus Christ as the way to the Father, that we would have eternal life, that the Holy Spirit who comes inside of them and us to bring and teach us truth and that we have the word of God to guide us. I am so glad that we, like Jacob saying, we have the chance to raise the next generation up. That's the good news. They will not hear it out there, but they will hear it in here. And truth matters. In the second epistle of John, he says this. This is what he writes to the church as he's about to close his eyes to go to heaven. I, the elder, to the elect lady and her children, which scholars either believe that this, this is a woman and her children, but because the way it's written, they're thinking it's more to the woman as he addresses the church and the congregation. Here's the words, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but all who know the truth, this family of folks that stand in the word of God and the truth of God. Because the truth that abides in us will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and in love. Do you know in the first four, five verses, three verses, he mentions truth four times. Don't let the truth slip away. If you lose the truth, you lose footing, you lose understanding. And what he says is if you lose truth, you lose the ability to love. He ties them together. That when you understand truth that comes from God, we are free to love everyone. Because it's no longer about us and what we think. It is about God. The Apostle John says, 
Loving comes from understanding truth. That there is a God who spoke the world into existence. And there are God laws and God ways to live that honors him. And when we were confused about that, he sent Jesus Christ to reveal that to us. To live out those truths. And there's not a person that Jesus met thought that they left unloved. Even if they didn't agree with him, didn't see the truth that he was, they were still loved. And we are able to do that because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we have the instruction manual right here. And so the challenge for today as we leave this place We have two trinities that are vying to tell us what truth is. We've got the societal, the cultural, and the I versus God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, and his word. What I love about this church This church has always been in love with our Heavenly Father. Always been in love with Jesus Christ. Always tried to be in tune with the teaching of the Holy Spirit and always so in love with this Word of God. We celebrated uh, Jean Ives yesterday and she was in the first Bethel Bible teaching class that Jack had. Now, some of you might not know Jack. He was here 33 years, and he, he taught the scriptures, and he poured those scriptures into people who poured into people, and amazing things have happened all over the world. The pastors that are in pulpits, the lives that are changed, the word that is being taught, and, and, and we just celebrated the fact that it overflowed in our life into so many people who testify to that truth. I am so glad that we are a biblical church. But we have a battle to fight. But we have truth that stands for us and with us. And in us, you think about that. Amen. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, as difficult it is to see what has happened in the world that you created good. In a culture that was blessed in so many ways. And in the churches that have said they would follow you no matter what. I thank you that there is truth. And the truth will stand when everything else falls. And so I pray for our congregation. I thank you for its long history. I thank you for its leadership. I thank you that we are centered in the trinity of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, guided by your word of truth. Lord, open our eyes to those places where societal and cultural and our own truths have begun to make a home and clear that out, Lord.
that we might be yours now and forever and a window for the world to see what truth really is. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We no longer pass the plate outside the door. You can um, put your tithes, your offerings. We thank you for your generosity. As much and, and as, as difficult as it is to hear what is happening, truth will win out. It has time and time again. When the culture has moved away, the Lord has moved us back. And truth will have the final say. And we get to be part of sharing that truth with the world. So as you leave, know that you carry the truth. The truth that sets you free to be who God has made you to be, to love as God has created you to love, to make an impact, to make a difference, to stand out. Go in peace, as John would say, in love and in truth. Amen.